Hey everyone, welcome back to SeatCast. This is Felipe Contreras talking to you from the homelands of the Coast Salish peoples. This season, we are focusing on stories about indigenous guardianship. Indigenous peoples' inherent right and responsibility to govern and manage collective territory using their own laws and values, language, and traditional practices. Before we had environmentalism or conservation practices, we just had values rooted in society. Values of reciprocity and balance where communities took as much from the land as they gave. Prioritizing a healthy environment where people lived in harmony with the planet. Then colonizers came to indigenous lands with a hunger for resources and society changed. The colonizers brought violence against indigenous peoples, discouraging their ways, and in many places, the lands became unhealthy. So the colonizers created laws and initiatives to protect certain areas from their own actions. But this often restricted indigenous peoples, and that is still happening across much of Earth. Indigenous communities remain under threat from those who seek to protect the very place Indigenous peoples call home. So today we hear about people working to protect each other for the benefit of all peoples and this shared home. In this episode, there are conversations about death and murder. So we acknowledge the entire episode might not be suitable for all audiences. In 2020, a new organization was created. Indigenous People's Rights International is an indigenous-led organization working to, to reduce and prevent criminalization of indigenous peoples and the violation of Indigenous peoples' rights with impunity. Indigenous Peoples' Rights International was founded with the support of Neotero and Ford Foundation, and formed by Victoria Taoli Carpus, who you might recognize from a previous episode of Seedcast, and Joan Carling. I am Joan Carling. I am an Indigenous activist from the Cordillera Philippines, and I fight for human rights and indigenous people's rights, social justice, and uh, sustainable development for all. Joanne is extremely passionate about her work, and it's carried her through it for over 30 years. And what really brought me to this is the strong sense of, uh, of the need for social justice, the need to protect and assert and respect. Uh, the dignity of indigenous peoples, that we may be different, but we are uh, equal to anyone else, and we deserve to be treated uh, with respect, and, and that our rights are also respected and protected. 
We were fortunate enough to interview her in November 2021 at the United Nations Climate Talks in Glasgow. Joan mentions that there are protections in place meant to prevent Indigenous peoples from violence, like the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. But that is not working everywhere. Unfortunately, that violation of Indigenous peoples' rights is still escalating all over. Joan and Indigenous Peoples' Rights International work hard to fight against those violations. How do they do it? Well, they listen. We work closely with the co communities, bring their issues at the global attention, and try to influence policies at the global level so that the situation on the ground will change. Her organization works from a very micro level to a macro level, and they work with indigenous communities all over the world. So it's, it's local to global, global to local. But they are different. They don't compete with other grassroots organizations that are working on the same issues. Actually, they support them and work with them. Because we're indigenous and we work with indigenous communities, the, the solidarity is already there. We do understand each, each other and that, that there's trust and respect in the way we, we work together. Joan and her organization work on a number of different issues relating to violence and criminalization. Sometimes it's against violence from corporations and governments, and sometimes it's against conservation efforts. You see, many indigenous peoples have been able to stay and steward their land since time immemorial, but many indigenous communities still don't have legal rights to do so. Sometimes that's a result of an attempt to, quote-unquote, protect nature. That model of conservation has a name. It's called fortress conservation. It is designed to protect nature by restricting an area from human activity. It was a model that has displaced hundreds of thousands of indigenous peoples. Many conservation organizations have simply moved away from it. But in some cases, it's still happening. We are being criminalized when we take care of, of nature because we don't have the legal right over these lands and resources. We do not have the legal uh, right to do our traditional occupations. For many indigenous peoples, their lands and environment are essential to their health, to their culture, and to their ways of being. So restricting access to their resources is harmful. But in many countries, it's the law. Thailand has a law, even Nepal has a law, uh, that taking uh, forest products is a criminal act for doing our traditional occupation that is not harming the environment because we are only taking what we need and not abusing because long as you, you, you take what you need and you don't abuse it, that, that's how nature thrives. That's something indigenous peoples know around the world. Last October, Joan testified about this in a United States Congress hearing on protecting human rights in international conservation. Joan shared a story. One leader that I met personally in Thailand was killed for getting honey from the forest. His name was Mr. Porlishi, or Billy for short. He was an indigenous leader who went into the national park to harvest honey in 2014. 
and was arrested by forest guards. Juan told Congress while the forest guards claimed they released him, he was nowhere to be found. Juan said there was hostility between Billy and these forest guards because they had burned down his village that was in the national park. She told Congress the body of Billy was later found in an oil barrel in the forest five years after he went missing. Joan's years of experience in activism and in the policy world have allowed her to bring the issues from communities to mining companies and dam builders and government agencies. It has allowed her to realize quite a lot when learning how to deal with the big power players. One of the things that has that really I realized is that when dealing with those in power uh like companies for example or even those in government they really have a different um view of things there there is an inherent contradiction because they want to take over our resources for their own vested interest and we want to take care of our resources for the future generations Joan has the ability to navigate those contradictions bringing awareness to the problems and solutions to address them solutions that prioritize the safety and well-being for the people and community her skills are much needed but the work is not always easy we're not seeing eye to eye it's always like we're talking in in different directions and so that made me realize well how can we reach out to these people how can we uh try to to make them understand where we are right so and also trying to understand where they're coming from so this whole notion like you uh, putting your your foot into their shoe tell them to put their shoe in my shoe right and uh and in that sense it's like how do you bridge th- th- that that human connection somehow they bridge by facilitating conversations with indigenous leaders to organizations like the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, the International Union for Conservation of Nature to better work with communities and their needs. So with with this they feel like they're being heard. Mm. And that's what they say, wow, finally we feel like we're being heard. John's work became even more global in 2014. From 2014 to 2016, she was appointed to the United Nations Economic and Social Council as an indigenous expert and served in the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues. This year there will be a number of political gatherings. like the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues in New York, the United Nations Climate Talks known as COP27 in Egypt, and several others where world leaders and organizations will be talking about how they can protect biodiversity better in hopes of stopping the climate catastrophe for a rich and diverse future planet. If you want to learn more about this, I would recommend you go back in the Seedcast archive and listen to an episode called How Traditional Land Stewardship Can Save Life on Earth. 
Indigenous peoples, including Joanne, will be involved in these policy discussions with their voices at the table, using their platform to stress that any conservation measures need to include the protection of Indigenous rights. And if we're again be thrown out of our, uh, of our territories in the name of conservation, then we are going to exacerbate social inequity and social injustice and massive human rights violations. That would be the result, right? Now, it's also an opportunity to do it the right way. And what I mean in doing the right way is first, respect and protect the rights of indigenous peoples through policy reforms, through clear measures on the ground, and to partner with indigenous peoples. It's partnership based on our rights and respect for our dignity that is needed. A part, that partnership will then be instrumental because we are already protecting. We are already protecting different ecosystems, diff- the biodiversity, we are already protecting it. Joan wants to see stronger protections for our Earth. But if they're doing, again, in the name of fortress conservation, then we are, it's really going to be another form of genocide for indigenous peoples. Let's sit with how serious that is and why we can't go back. If we are moving for equality and and social justice, if we are making the world more humane, Mm -hmm. then indigenous people should be part of it. If if we're not part of this, humanity has failed. Humanity has failed. By part of, she means not only the decision-making, but the solutions. We also live for the future. Sometimes you feel like you're, uh, you're facing a dead wall or you're talking to a dead tree, but we just have to persist, right? Because, because we, have, uh, we always have to have hope that things will change eventually. Because I do believe that our ancestors are guiding us in, in moving forward. Normally, I'm not a big believer in doom storytelling. We've all seen it and heard it. Alert, alert, the ice caps are melting. Let's save the polar bears. Ah, the wildfires. Whatever the issue is, people have been shouting for change for long enough. For it to go in one ear and out the other. And hopefully you'll hear this, because this story needs to be heard. So to me... To move forward, we need intention and a collective voice. We need to pay attention and listen because it can't just be organizations like Indigenous Peoples' Rights International or Neotero. It can't just be people like Joanne talking about this. And I'm not saying we all need to present in front of the UN or work for an NGO that missions aligns with these issues, but have a conversation with a friend We can all pay attention and not let these injustices go. These particular injustices are both wrong, as are all injustices, with the added damage and suffering and jeopardizing the well-being of groups who uphold identities 
and territories essential to the well-being of all of us. Thanks for listening. Neotero is a Seattle-based nonprofit. We're both Indigenous and non-Indigenous people with a mission to secure Indigenous guardianship for vital ecosystems. That means we provide support to Indigenous peoples globally who are protecting their homelands from colonization and destruction. Their practices are one of our best guides for making Earth livable for humans and other species for generations to come. Here at Seedcast, our guests represent themselves. They don't necessarily reflect the views of Neotero. We honor their honest perspectives and lived experiences, and we'd love to hear yours. Email us at seedcast at neotero.org or find us on social media at Neotero. We'd love to hear from you. You can learn more about Seedcast and about our work at Neotero on our website, neotero.org. Special thanks to my colleagues, Tracy Rector and David Rothschild, for their work in producing the interview with Joanne Carling. This episode was produced and mixed by me, Felipe Contreras, and edited by Jenny Asarno. Our host is Jessica Ramirez. Our consulting producer is Julie Keck. Executive producer is Tracy Rector. Fact checker, Roman Lee Johnson. Theme song by Miyakami. And we look forward to sharing more stories with you all very soon. Like the wind, we still move. Like the waves, we rise high. Like the sun, we never die. No staying quiet, we stand united.